Chapter Fourteen of the Silent Battle by George Gibbs. Recording by Tony Oliva. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Junior Member. The offices of Kenyon, Hood, and Gallatin were in the Mills Building, and consisted of six rooms, one for each of the members of the firm, and three for the clerks, stenographers, and library they were plainly but comfortably furnished and gave no token of extraordinary prosperity or the lack of it in no sense did they resemble the magnificent suites which were maintained elsewhere in the building by more precocious firms which had discovered the efficacy of the game of bluff and which used it in their business with successful consistency and yet there was an air of solidity here which indicated a conservatism more to the liking of the class of people who found use for the services of kenyon hood and gallatin john kenyon the senior member belonged to that steadily decreasing class of lawyers who look upon their profession as a calling with traditions he belonged to an older school of practitioners which still clung to the ethics of a bygone generation the business of many big corporations went up in the elevator which passed before the door of john kenyon's private office to a floor above where its emissaries could learn how to take the money that belonged to other people without being jailed or having been jailed how they could most quickly be freed to obtain the use of their plunder but mr kenyon made no effort to divert this tide he wanted no part of it in his office the corporate interests which he represented were for the most part those which required his services to resist the depredations planned upstairs john kenyon would have been a great lawyer but for the lack of one important ingredient of greatness imagination his knowledge of the law was extraordinary his mind was crystal clear analytical but not inventive judicial but not prophetic he would have graced the robes of a justice of the supreme bench but as a potent force in modern affairs he was not far from mediocrity he had begun his career in the office of philip gallatin's grandfather had been associated with philip gallatin's father but with the passing of the old firm he had opened offices of his own the initiative which he lacked had been supplied by gordon hood a brisk bostonian of the omniscient type and the accession of young philip gallatin four years ago had done still more to supply the ingredients which modern conditions seemed to require it had meant much to john kenyon to have phil in the firm for the perspective of time had done little to dim the luster which hung about the name of gallatin and the junior member had shown early signs that he too was possessed of much of the genius of his forebears kenyon had watched the development of the boy with mingled delight and apprehension and 
with the memory of the failings of his ancestors fresh in his mind had done what he could to avert impending evil it was at his advice that young gallatin had gone to the canadian woods and he had noticed with interest and not a little curiosity his return to his desk two months ago sobered and invigorated phil had plunged into the work which awaited him with quiet intention and the way he had taken hold of his problems and solved them had filled the senior partner with new hopes for his future he loved the boy as he could have loved a son as he must love the son of evelyn westervelt and it had taken much to destroy john kenyon's belief in phil's ultimate success but this last failure had broken that faith through the efforts of gordon hood the firm had won the suit for which phil gallatin had prepared it but it was an empty victory to john kenyon who had seen during the preparation of the case phil gallatin's chance his palingenesis the restitution of all his rights physical and moral fully aware of john kenyon's attitude toward him for two weeks philip gallatin had remained uptown and until his dinner at mrs pennington's to which he had gone in response to especial pleading had hidden himself even from his intimates he had sent word to john kenyon that he was indisposed but both men knew what his absence meant john kenyon had been the one rock to which phil gallatin had tied the one man with whom he had been willing to talk of himself the one man of all his friends from whom he would even take a reproach it was on john kenyon's account more even than on his own that gallatin so keenly suffered for his failure at the critical moment the time had indeed come for a reckoning and yesterday gallatin had planned to retire from the firm and save his senior partner the pains of further responsibility on his account he had been weighed in the balance a generous balance with weights which favored him and had been found wanting but last night a miracle had happened and the visit of renunciation which he had even planned for this very morning had been turned into one of contrition and appeal and difficult as he found the interview before him he entered the office with a light step and a face aglow with the new resolution which had banished the sombre shadow that for so long had hung about him it was early and the business of the day had just begun at his appearance several of the stenographers looked up from their work and scrutinized him with interest and the chief clerk rose and greeted him good morning tooker he nodded cheerfully is mr kenyon in yet no sir it's hardly his time please tell him i'd like to see him if he can spare me a moment then he entered a door which bore his name and closed it carefully behind him opened his desk glanced at his watch made two or three turns up and down the room and then took up the telephone book logan lord 
lorimer loring there it was seven thousand plaza he hesitated again then rang up the number it was some moments before the butler consented to get miss loring and when he did she did not recognize his voice who is it she asked can't you guess oh phil i didn't know you at all where are you at the office already and i'm not out of bed did i wake you i'm sorry i'm glad i didn't mean to go to sleep but i did sleep somehow i haven't been asleep i couldn't why not it's so much pleasanter to be awake i think so too but then i dreamed phil pleasant dreams oh beautiful ones full of demigods and things what things enchanted broughams oh how did it happen phil it had to happen i can't believe it yet he laughed if i were there i'd try to convince you yes i think you could i'm willing to admit that are you sorry no but i'm so used to being myself i can't understand it's strange that's all and i'm glad you called me i've had a terrifying feeling that you must be somebody else too i am somebody else i mean somebody i don't know very well there's a remedy for that what doses of demigod repeat every hour oh don't you like the prescription i i think so then why not try it i i think i ought to oughtn't i i'm sure of it in a day or so the symptoms you speak of will entirely disappear are you sure positive i i think they're less acute already you really are you aren't you if i wasn't you wouldn't be you don't you see yes and i'd be frightfully jealous if i had been somebody else she laughed oh phil what a conversation i hope no one is listening i'm sure they're not they couldn't understand anyway not unless they were quite mad as we are what are you doing working yes drawing a deed for an acre in paradise don't be foolish who for me and there's a deed of trust i'll sign that we'll both sign it it's well secured jane don't you believe me yes i do slowly there was a pause and then he asked when can i see you soon this afternoon i've a luncheon and then tea at the oh phil i'll have to cut that there's a dance tonight too the ledyards this is getting serious what can i do i've been frightfully rude already can't you go not sufficiently urged then i shan't either i don't want to go i want the acre of paradise where will i meet you jane here at four i'll be there 
until then good-bye and phil yes please wear that flannel shirt disreputable hat and and the beard no not the beard but i want to be convinced there's no mistake i'd rather convince you without them oh i've no doubt you will she sighed there's so much i've got to say to you phil i won't know where to begin just where you stopped but i-i wasn't saying anything just then i couldn't there-there were reasons he laughed gaily i've still other reasons oh convincing ones phil i won't listen good-bye good-bye hadn't we better go for a walk she asked no please oh very well with a tone of resignation there you see i'm submitting again at four then good-bye she cut off and he hung up the receiver sitting for a long while motionless looking out of the window he took out his watch and was examining it impatiently when the chief clerk came in mr kenyon will see you now mr gallatin he said john kenyon paused in the reading of his mail and looked up over the half-moons in his glasses when gallatin appeared at the door come in phil he said quietly offering his hand he sat down at his desk again and formally indicated the chair nearest it his manner was kindly and full of an old-fashioned dignity indicating neither indifference nor encouragement and this seemed to make philip gallatin's position if anything more difficult and painful instead of sitting gallatin turned toward the window and stood there i've uh, come back uncle john he muttered kenyon glanced up at him the calm judicial glance of a man who having no venal faults himself tolerates them in others with difficulty there was no family relationship between the men and gallatin's use of the familiar term at this time meant much and something in phil gallatin's pose arrested kenyon's eye the jaw that had worked forward and was now clamped tightly by its throbbing muscles the bulk of the squared shoulders and the decision with which one hand clasped the chair back i'm glad of that phil he said i was on the point of thinking you had given me up i had i had given you up i haven't been down here because i knew it wasn't necessary for me to come and because i thought you'd understand i understood i wrote you two or three letters but i tore them up i wanted to sever my connection with the firm i wanted to save you the pain of thinking about me any longer i knew that i hadn't any right here that i haven't had any right here for a long while two or three years that i had been taking my share of fees i had never earned and that it was only through your friendship for me that i've been encouraged to stay as long as this i wanted to save you the pain of talking to me again i've never denied you my friendship phil i don't deny it now i only thought that you might have 
gallatin turned swiftly and raised his hand don't mr kenyon for god's sake don't reproach me he said ardently reproaches won't help me only wound they've already been ringing in my ears for days since the last time he paused never mind gallatin strode the length of the room struggling for the control of his voice and when he came back it was to stand facing the senior partner quite composed there isn't a man in the world who would do as much for one who merited so little i'm not going over that words can't mean much from me to you but what i would like you to know is that i don't want to go out of the firm and that if you'll bear with me i want another chance to prove myself i've never promised anything you've never asked me to thank god that much of my self-respect at least is saved out of the ruins i want to give my word now don't do that said kenyon hurriedly it isn't necessary yes i must i've given it to myself and i'll keep it never fear that was the last the very last kenyon twisted his thin body in his chair and looked up at the junior member keenly but as he did so his eyes blurred and he saw as thirty years ago he had seen the figure of this boy's father standing as phil gallatin was standing enmeshed in the toils of fate gifted handsome lovable and yet doomed to go a mental and physical ruin before his time the resemblance of philip gallatin to his father was striking the same high forehead heavy brows and deep-set eyes the same cleanly cut aquiline nose and heavy chin there were lines too in phil gallatin's face lines which had appeared in the last two years which made the resemblance even more assured and yet to john kenyon there seemed to be a difference there was something of evelyn westervelt in him too the clean straight line of the jawbone and the firmly modeled lips thinner than the father's and more decisive i'm glad of that phil he said slowly i'm not asking you to believe in me again broken faith can't be repaired by phrases i don't want you to believe in me until i've made good i want to come in here again on sufferance as you took me in six years ago without a share in the business of the firm that i don't make myself or for which i don't give my services i want to begin at the bottom of the ladder again and climb it rung by rung oh i can't listen to that our partnership agreement that agreement is cancelled i don't want a partnership agreement it's got to be so i've been thinking hard mr kenyon it's responsibility i need you're talking nonsense phil you did more work in the marvin case than either hood or myself perhaps but i didn't win it he said quickly the firm did i can't agree with you i'll come 
in this office on the conditions i suggest or i must withdraw my mind is made up on that i don't want to go and it won't be easier for me anywhere else this is where i belong this is where i want to fight my battle if i can do it in my own way without the moral or financial help of anyone of you least of all gallatin paused and walked his head bent the length of the room john kenyon followed him with his eyes then turned to the window and for a long while remained motionless philip gallatin returned to the vacant chair and sat leaning forward eagerly the senior partner turned at last his kind homely face alight with a smile you don't need my faith my boy if you've got faith of your own but i'll give it to you gladly give me your hand he got up and the two men clasped hands and phil gallatin's eyes did not flicker or fade before the searching gaze of the other man it was a pact none the less solemn for the silence with which one of them entered into it you're awake phil he asked yes that's it uncle john awake said gallatin i'm glad i'm very glad and i believe it i've never been able to get used to the idea of your being really out of here we'll need you my boy and i've got work for you of the kind that will put your mettle to the test there's a great opportunity in it and i'll gladly turn it over to you sicitura de astra my boy will you take it gladly a corporation case sanborn et al versus the sanborn mining company sit here and i'll explain it to you end of chapter fourteen